The Nerdalogs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy based on shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Try to keep your stories around five minutes, laugh at jokes, cry if appropriate, and applaud everyone who has the guts to sit here, tell a story, and come out as a nerd. Hey guys, my name is Eric Arnaud, and welcome to part two of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories July podcast, continuing the theme of revelry. Our stories this week run the gamut from insightfully wistful to dementedly debaucherous. This time out, you'll hear a reflective tale of days gone by from Sean Patrick Boyle, Mike Galladay's introduction to drinking, John Lester on intoxicated video gaming, Charlie Cannell on going a week without parents, we all know how fun that is, and Nerdalogs member Chris Geiger on the bell curve of partying. As usual, you can also look forward to music from myself and Dwight Hassler. Now, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, which is Sunday, July 15th, you still have a chance to attend the next Your Stories recording, which is happening tonight, 7 p.m. at the Upstairs Gallery, 5219 North Clark Street in Andersonville. The theme of that show is The End of the World. Why is that the theme? Well, the Nerdalog Sketch Troupe is also doing a month-long run of shows at the Playground Theater, 3209 North Halstead, uh, and it is based on that very theme. So we thought it would be fun to bring it to the podcast as well. So come tell your best apocalypse story or whatever else the end of the world means to you and be a part of next month's episode. As usual, I'd like to remind you guys that we've got a donate button on the side of our homepage at yourstories.podbean.com. So if you really like the show, you can send a few bucks our way to help support it. Thank you very much. And again, big thanks to Sean Patrick Boyle for not only telling a story this month, but for helping to record the episode. It sounds great, man. Now let's get to it. So we are doing the next best thing we can, which is trying to do it legit. But we don't have an electric guitar, we don't have a bass or drums or anything, so you guys have to be the percussion, and uh, and also the backing vocals.
I don't know how you're going to uh, top that. <laughs> kind of dug a hole for yourself. Everyone's been such good people so far. All these stories have been so clean and respectful. And I gotta, I'm about to drag us through the gutter here. So. Um, graduating high school, I had a girlfriend that didn't drink. She didn't do anything bad or... You know, she was antisocial. I was antisocial. We were just a bad couple. Um, so pretty much the beginning of my adult independence began the day I dumped her. And uh, so five years moved on. And uh, so I was 21 years old, and I just shed two decades of social anxiety along with 75 pounds of body weight. So there was a lot to learn about the new me and what I could accomplish if I put my mind to it. So making friends with complete strangers, walking into a social situation with confidence, having a true sense of self-worth, and then having sex with as many people as I could. (laughs) When in Rome, wear a condom. (laughs) When I wasn't in the throes of beer pitchers and strange vaginas, I I was sitting at home... I was sitting home alone in my one-bedroom apartment, dreaming about long-distance backpacking, (laughs) being a writer, and numerous other more respectable pursuits. And I would tell all my bar friends these stories, and also my sexual liaisons. I would tell them about these fantasies, and I assured them they would all come true. But at the end of the night, I was just another guy driving home with the blood alcohol level way above the legal limit. Wondering if he was going to get a DUI or a booty call in his text inbox. But they did enjoy my passion and and my romanticized rants on life and adventure would kill the time until the next pitcher of beer arrived. But on one summer day, my entire gang of drinking pals decided to illegally camp on a beach in Lake Michigan. So there I was, ignoring the irony that my dreams of lugging a backpack down the Appalachian Trail had been replaced with dragging a cooler of beer through sand while holding a bag of Doritos between my teeth. <laughs> now I have to backtrack and, and, and um, 
give some backstory here. Because a few months before that evening at that beach, um, I began having sex with a really close friend of mine. Uh, it wasn't planned or expected. It just happened, and we were pretty happy to keep letting it happen. Um, and it became an unspoken language that at the end of every party, we would moonlight as a romantic couple and find full comfort in our one-dimensional attraction to each other. This had been the longest I spent having sex with the same person in my two-year time of being single. So I had an idea that we should go on a date. I took her out to dinner where we soberly stared at each other not knowing what to say. With all the delusions of alcohol and the dim lighting of a bar removed, we were left with nothing to show for ourselves but our sheer lack of identity outside of that comfort zone. Our sexual relationship was concluded from there on. But on the night of this beach party, this friend and I were a part of a large group of drunk people swimming in, the Lake Mich- in, in Lake Michigan late that night. But people started to leave the water, and they headed back to partying on the beach, until only her and I remained. We shared a long moonlight conversation while floating in the wake of warm summer water. Eventually, we even discussed how weird it was that our date failed. So naturally, this escalated to the two of us having unprotected sex in plain sight of anyone on the shore with an imagination in 2020 vision. <laughs> when I got back on shore, one of my closest friends took me aside and scolded me for what she rightly assumed had happened. I could say nothing more than, you're right, that shouldn't have happened. But I was left with the question of, but then why did it happen? For the rest of the evening, I was emotionally recluse, and I spent most of the time drinking beer by myself and staring into a fire trying to understand what all this means anymore. This introspection was interrupted by the sounds of a fist slamming into someone's skin. Off in the distance, I could see a friend from my group exchanging punches with a stranger from another group of people further down the beach. So apparently my friend had decided he wanted to fight someone, He approached them with his fist raised. A bunch of us rushed over, and I stepped between the combatants and shouted, This is a long beach. We go that way, you go the other way, and the problem is solved. But one female of this group of strangers got in my face, angry that my drunk friend started all of this, and who was I to tell them how they should resolve their problem? Ultimately, she was right, and the best I could do was walk away and hope my friends follow suit. They did, but this lady was still not pleased with me, and she flung a full bottle of beer from point-blank range directly into my back. It hurt, but I just kept walking. So now it's 3 a.m., and nearly everyone has passed out, but I'm still awake, sitting around a campfire with three other people. Someone lights up a joint, and everyone takes one hit and decides to go to bed. So I sat alone at the fire, hoping to find answers of what my social purpose and future was as an individual. I smoked that joint alone, consuming an absurd degree of THC. I began to notice these dark figures of the night slowly approaching me in the distance. Now, this was so frightening because, I mean, it could have been cops, and I could have been arrested, and it could have been some gang initiation. I mean, yeah, I was freaking out. (laughs) Um, It turned out it was the very same group of strangers from that altercation. They politely asked if they could join me. And we talked about how crazy the night had been. Everyone took a turn giving their stone, long-winded apology for their role in that night's drama. 
and by the time they said goodbye and I passed out on the beach beneath a canopy of stars, I realized that I wasn't better than these people or the friends I traveled with. We're just all on the same beach, and this is what you do when you're here. I never returned to that beach, literally or metaphorically. It was a humbling end to another era of my path as just another frightened and confused living being on this planet. I hope to share a beach with many of these friends again someday, but this time with a family, camping permits, and less fist fighting. Thank you very much, Sean. Mike Galladay is up next. Okay, so a quick micro story before I get into my real story. I was at this party once a few years back. There's a guy, he brought like a 30-pack of Ice House and drank it all himself. Um, So I'm sitting there, and the guy gets up, I guess, to go somewhere, maybe to the bathroom. And he's not even standing up correctly. He's like on a 45-degree angle the whole time. And I'm like, you should not walk. There are stairs right there. And he's like, I got it. He walks two steps, rolls down the stairs. Grabs the railing, looks up at me and goes, huh. and let's go and goes the rest of the way. <laughs> anyway, real story. It's about the first time I got drunk. So I spent my entire 21st year not drinking because of the whole it tastes bad thing and whatnot. Yeah, yeah see? Um, <laughs> but 22nd birthday rolls around. I let some friends know that oh, I've never been drunk. And they're like, no, dude. We're getting you drunk. Again, you know, it's one of those things. So we go to a bar and we find out that not only do I have, not only, you know, am I a decent drinker, I have a ridiculous tolerance. I drink like a fucking pirate. <laughs> not like a, 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 a pillage and murder pirate. Not just like, you know, some Johnny Depp kind of guy or anything like that. And, you know, the night goes on and they're buying me like all sorts of things. I had like, uh, six shots of whiskey, five shots of tequila. I don't even know what the hell's going on. Um, <laughs> About four or five vodka Red Bulls, and for some reason, a 40 at a bar. I, I think that was just because I'm black, not because that the bar sold 40s. So, so, anyway, at some point, I realized that, you know what? This shit's not going to end well. So, I kind of just slink off to the bathroom, and I'm just kind of chilling in there on the floor of the bathroom. I'm like, oh, God. What am I doing? And my girlfriend at the time she comes in the bathroom like are you okay i'm like no no i'm not <laughs> not at all and she's like you should just throw up so you can go i'm like i don't i don't want to throw up and i start like i turned like the biggest pussy ever at this point like i'm sitting in the bathroom practically crying because i don't want to throw up <laughs> because it's gross <laughs> so after sitting in the bathroom for like 15 minutes her and my best friend get me up and like all right we're gonna just take you home man so we get in my car, and my best friend had the forethought to get a trash bag from the bar, which I thank him for. And so we, we drive, and I'm sitting there with the, with the bag in my lap, just in like this drunken daze, not really looking at anything. I couldn't even focus on anything at that point. And we drive the 20 minutes back to my house, and we get there, and we're sitting in my driveway, and I'm like, all right, you got to get up and unlock the door. I'm like, all right, all right, just just give me just give me. <clears throat> Everything goes into the bag for about a solid minute and a half. And it, it just wouldn't stop. And my best friend, he's like, oh, I really got to piss, dude. Could you just finish up so we can go in the house? I'm like, I just, And then I'll go back to it. And he decides to go piss behind the garage because, you know, there was no way to get in the house because I was fucked up. 
And he, and he go and he comes back and I'm like Stan, Stan, did you, did you piss in my backyard? <laughs> He's like, yeah. I'm like, I did. I'm like, it's not cool, man. <laughs> but by this time, since everything is out of my system, I'm able to actually get up and go unlock the door. So we go in the house. I collapse on my bed somehow still awake and he starts playing Mass Effect on my Xbox. My mom comes in my bedroom and she's like, hey, hey, mom. <laughs> it's like, so, you got drunk? I'm like, no. Because I didn't know how my mom would react to me being drunk this is the first time. I'm like, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And then I think I just fell asleep immediately after I said that because that was <laughs> the end of the night for me. <laughs> That's it. I'm like, I've heard a lot of my own experiences and my friends' experiences in these stories tonight, so that's pretty cool. Speaking of my friends, John Lester. Because you were drunk and you went in her house and you had to pee and you were too well to be quiet. No, I didn't go in the house. Another friend of ours did. No, I uh, was the one running through their yard into the neighbor's yard to pee on their tree. But <laughs> while, while the mother screamed, "There are strange men in our yard! What are they doing?" Yeah. So that was that was that went well. <laughs> that went well. Um, so my story uh, actually involves Mr. Eric Arno. Um So. Um, <laughs> As Eric just said, we're friends. Um, Eric and I have known each other for 10 years. We'll we, were, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we were roommates in college. Eric was in my wedding party in my wedding, so um, we're very good friends. Um, so uh, in college, uh, we lived in an apartment. There was the two of us and two more people, and we were all pretty nerdy, you know, computer science, chemistry, English, and I guess a business major, but I, I'm the exception. So, uh, so we... Uh, we all had video game systems we had combined into our communal living room that we all had, you know, all set up in there. But obviously we all were owners of our own systems and we were the, the masters of our own systems. Uh, Eric was the owner of the GameCube and Eric was the master of that system. And for about a year we had been playing a game called uh, Mario Kart Double Dash. Uh, we had spent many hours on this. We had all become very good at it, but Eric was, of course, the master, owned all the records, uh, won more than he lost, and, you know, master of his domain. So my two passions in college, aside from sleeping and not going to class, were uh, playing video games and drinking. Um, so one Saturday night, uh, after another round of drinking, uh, I had come home, but I decided I was not so drunk that I would pass out. So I grabbed one of my roommates, not Eric's, Bacardi Raspberries, the very manly drink. Again, there were four men in this apartment. Uh, I grabbed one, popped the top, and thought, I'm going to play some Mario Kart. And I, th I powered it up, and I looked at that uh, welcome screen, and I said, no, 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 not 50 cc's tonight. Tonight is a man's night. Tonight, we play 150 cc, mirror mode. So I played, and I vaguely remember playing. I remember there being a Rainbow Road at some point. <laughs> and then I went to bed at whatever hour. Um, next morning, you know, I was an early riser. I woke up at the crack of noon and uh, came back into the living room to see Eric sitting in front of the television. And he just gives me this stare that I've never seen before. <laughs> that The long, icy stare of death. And he points at the screen, and in a tone of what you would give your pets when they make a mess on the carpet... What did you do? 
and I thought, oh crap, I broke the GameCube. What did I do last night? I was like, did I open it and puke in it, deciding it needed to run faster? I don't know. But what he's pointing at is the screen, and it's the record screen. And for some reason, instead of them all saying ECG, Eric Charles Garneau, they say J-O-N on top of every single course (laughs) in 150cc mirror mode. Eric looks at me and goes, when did you do this? I was like, I don't know. He's like, no, I played this last night and I had the records. What did you do? Well, I, I, I went and got drunk with Craig and Diane, and then I came back, and oh yeah, I played Mario Kart. And that is how I may have broken Eric's spirit in Mario Kart Double Dash. And this was eight years ago, and every time I tell this story, Eric still sees with anger. I believe those records still stand on your Mario Kart. Yes. So, uh, moral of the story, apparently I'm good at the legal kind of drunk driving. Uh, uh, okay, guys, so we're done. Like, we can all go home. Like, I'm going to get you back real quick, though. So, like, two years ago, me, Dwight, John, and our friend Troy went to New Orleans... And this was, like, the most drunk I've ever seen these guys. Like, this was get up at 10 a.m., go watch the soccer match, and get wasted drunk. Um, John Lester is the most talented person I've ever seen at throwing up and continuing a conversation. (laughs) This is like like 10 p.m., and we're walking down Bourbon Street, and we're trying to figure out where we should go. And it's, I don't know where Troy was. He was probably talking to some bouncer. Me and Dwight and John were, like, standing in the middle of the street, like, hey, what, what bar do you want to go to next? And John's like, hold on a second, guys. And he walks, like, five feet over this dumpster, and he picks up the lid and just vomits in there. He's like, okay, so I think we should like, give this a beat. Give this a beat. From throwing up to rational conversation. So I would actually like to challenge that. Too. <laughs> Let's go to Nerdalogs, Your Stories, New Orleans. Let's do it. Make it happen. Um, I forgot who's next. Oh, Charlie. Charlie Canal is next. Forty-five minutes and puking. That gets involved. All right, let's try and figure out this whole. Google Docs bullshit. Google Drive. Alright, and uh, just so you know, I'm Charlie Cannell. If you go to irrationalanger.com, you can read about me bitching about random shit. Like, nothing. I bitch about everything there is. Go there. Good blog. Alright. A few years back, I was having dinner with my parents. We started reminiscing about our favorite family vacations. We all agreed that the trip to Hawaii was amazing, and that despite Carlsbad Caverns, our road trip through West Texas and New Mexico was comfortably in last place. (laughs) Then I announced to the table my all-time favorite family vacation was the 2001 road trip to the Badlands. My dad looked at me, very confused, when my mom started laughing. Charlie, you didn't even come on that trip. You stayed home and... Oh, shit. I know what you're talking about. 
That week, my parents' house had become a flop house for everyone I knew, <laughs> as well as a couple people I did not know. <laughs> At one point, my parents called. They talked to seven people before someone remembered that I had gone out to sell Cutco knives to someone, <laughs> and I would not come back until later. <laughs> I wish I could say there was an all-out Roman Bacchanalia for the whole week. But really, we played an asinine amount of Tony Hawk Pro Skater and Tiger Woods Golf, listened to a lot of shitty punk rock, and drank a lot of Captain Morgan's private stock and Coke, which tastes like Dr. Pepper. (laughs) By Friday, my core group of friends had probably slept about 15 hours for the week, and we were starting to drag. But we had to stay frosty. The real party was that night. I'm proud to say that that party is the closest we ever came to reenacting a John Hughes movie. (laughs) The house was packed. There were shenanigans taking place all over. A drunk friend of ours kept making unwanted passes at my buddy Mike. So he switched clothes with his brother to throw her off the scent. And it worked. Someone drove our lawnmower into the cornfield across the street, which I found eight days later. A couple defiled my bathroom until I started serenading them with a song about what I assumed was happening behind the closed door. When they stormed out, they were laughing too hard to even be angry. But the star of the whole party was my buddy Fran. A little background on Fran. Fran was metrosexual before that was a word. He is the most impeccably dressed man I've ever encountered. While I wore shitty ripped up no effects t-shirts, he wore fucking Prada. He also tended to soak himself in cologne and spend an inordinate amount of time on his hair. So naturally we made fun of this relentlessly. Every time he would just flip his hair and go, Come on, guys. (laughs) Fran was the most straight-laced of all of my friends, so it was a bit odd to see him in full party mode. At this point, he was doing shots of SoCo and chasing them with hot dogs. (laughs) Not the best idea. After a couple hours of him doing this... He came up to me and yelled, Hey, how's that song go? Something, something, I'm a Damus. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was referring to Rock Me Amadeus, but we never knew. We never found out. After many, many more drinks, we were all sitting on the driveway, and Fran started to list to one side. And then he projectile vomited. 
just an amazing amount of vomit just flowing out. He gets up, acknowledges nothing, and says, Not cool, Zeus. (laughs) Not cool. At this point, I laughed my ass off and left him, left him to his own devices. The next morning, I come out, squinting from the rising sun, trying to figure out if I'm hungover or possibly drunk or both hungover and drunk as I start to collect all the beer cans. Now, these beer cans we would throw out in the church dumpster down the road so as to hide them from my parents. (laughs) At this time, I looked and smelled like death. The night had ruined my ass, as I had most of the people who were there. And then I see, waking up and peeling himself off the driveway was Fran. His clothes were not the slightest bit wrinkled. (laughs) Every single hair on his head was in place. He smelled delightful. (laughs) Fran had spent the night reveling in a way that would have awed Charles Bukowski. And he came out of it looking better than I ever will. (laughs) Realizing I had been bested, I vowed to never mock his fashion skills again. A vow I kept for almost four hours. I knew my parents weren't naive, and they were fully aware that I had a party, you know, when they came home. But they still acted nonchalant when they arrived. They surveyed the house. I knew they were looking to try and catch me. But it was clean. Everything was good. At dinner that night, my mom said, how was your party? I acted just fucking indignant. I'm like, damn it. Where did you even find a beer can? I cleaned the shit out of this house. <laughs> and my mom said, you did an amazing job cleaning. In fact, the house is much cleaner than when we left. <laughs> and there is only one reason you would have cleaned the fucking house. <laughs> Next time, don't bother. <laughs> Half of this episode's theme was vomit. <laughs> we got one more story tonight from the Nerdalogs, Mr. Chris Geiger, whose parents are here. Let's, let's give it up for, for Mr. Geiger. It is Father's Day. Yeah, and, and, to, and to all future fathers, which I know is Sean Boyle, but maybe yeah. someone else. I mean, probably somebody else, but no one confirmed right now. Yes. Oh, Aaron's going to get a puppy, you guys. I feel like I'm in some sort of spaceship. <laughs> the nasty shirt doesn't help. The nasty shirt does not help. Uh, my dad worked for somewhat for NASA. So, uh, so yeah, themes revelry. My parents are here, so I'm going to tell some stories that are embarrassing as fuck. <laughs> so, uh, this is great. You guys have never heard this, so this is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> So there's going to be a little bit of a show going on where you watch me talk and then you watch my parents get embarrassed. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Uh, so, um... You're a grandma. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've heard that one before. <laughs> uh, so... I feel like in in my life, as far as revelry goes, there has been a bell curve of nerdiness. Uh, so, like, when I started understanding what a party was in high school, uh, my idea of a party was getting my friends together and hooking up two Xboxes on two different floors <laughs> of our house, linking them together, obviously, so we could have two different TVs and we could have two teams of playing Halo without screen hacking you know, <laughs> before Xbox Live. That was the way to do it, right? The only way to do it. It seems insane now, but back then it was like, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> Play some Halo. Uh, or playing Star Wars Dungeons and Dragons for hours. Or playing Magic the Gathering and me getting beat by it, beat at it all the time. But at some point uh, and in high school... Uh, I got invo- invited to like my first cool kid party. I had gotten tapped for the invite to go to a <laughs> cool party out in the middle of the woods in Mississippi where all the cool kids were going to hang out and drink. <laughs> and so I had my first uh, Bacardi Silver. <laughs> Witnessed a lot of underage kids throwing up all over the place. And decided, this is really cool. (laughs) And so me and my friends who were nerds all of a sudden became cool kids too. And we spent uh, probably uh, an exorbitant amount of time drinking uh, that summer, as my parents can attest to. (laughs) Um, It was was a up and down summer for sure. And it, but we found that, yeah, let's just keep doing this. So, uh, so we went to college and it just became this. It became booze, 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 French Quarter, booze, 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 pot, booze, 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 tandem bikes, booze, 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 hallucinogens. And I had my first hallucinogen. And I'm not talking like acid. I didn't do that. I did uh, salvia, which is a type of sage, right? It's, uh, it's a type of sage that you smoke. It's legal. You can buy it on the internet. And if you smoke it, it gives you about 15 minutes of the absolute balls-out crazy hallucinogen, hallucinogenic high you've ever had in your entire life. I've only smoked pot, only smoked salvia, haven't done any other drugs. And uh, I did it three times. The first time, I shot space stations out of my fingers. <laughs> um, and I got persuaded to do it because I was drunk. And I went to a, I lived in a nerdy dorm in college, uh, but it was also a cool guy dorm. We were a bunch of cool guys drinking. You know, we spent our days, <laughs> spent our days playing Call of Duty over the network on our computers, uh, but I spent our nights getting drunk and lustily going after girls and getting turned down at every opportunity. So at one point in our, uh, our, our height, we were drunk and turned down from sex, so we got uh, suitably fucked up on hallucinogens. So I shot space stations from my fingers and came back down to my drunk and was like, that was crazy. <laughs> that was crazy. I can't believe that's how that works. I always thought that if you did something like that, then, you know, your life is forever ruined, right? You do a hallucinogen, you're done. Uh, so a couple months later, I had another opportunity to do salvia. I'm like, yes, I will do that. I will have that salvia. And I smoked that salvia. And then all of a sudden, I was on, type, on top of an icy mountain fighting a Sasquatch with a candy cane sword. <laughs> Which in reality was just me sitting on my friend's bed hitting my other friend Seth who had a big beard and long hair with a candy cane, plastic candy cane. <laughs> I thought I was in some sort of like Santa Claus Lord of the Rings. I was 
going crazy. Uh, and then I came back down. I was really hot and sweaty and just gross. And I was like, oh, that was crazy. And I was fit. That was it. And done. And then one summer, because uh, I went to, I did summer classes all the time because I was a double major. Um, one summer, it was just a couple of us and someone got salvia again. I was like, do you want to do it? I'm like, fuck yes, I want to do salvia. <laughs> and we sat down, sat down in my friend Seth's room. And I smoked salvia for the last time because when I smoked salvia, what happened was that my head split open and I started floating out of my body. And the last thing I saw was the Hulk's face. <laughs> like the Incredible Hulk. Like the green face of the Incredible Hulk. That's the last thing I saw. I just am going, and I'm like, no! And I get sucked out of my head into this blackness. Just this miasma, just nothing. And I didn't know who I was or what my name was where I was, what I was doing. I didn't know anything about myself, and I thought I had died. Like, this was it. You don't know who you are. You don't know what you are. You, you have no concept of self. And I floated through this nothingness, and then all of a sudden I saw colors, like, pulsating and coming together, and, like, they were, they were like, the, the colors of, like, the walls, like, the shadows had broken into their composite colors, and I came to, like, this in a hallway with the hallway pulsating and then it came together and stopped pulsating and I and I felt a hand on my shoulder and I looked up and it was my friend Chris who's here and it was my other friend Seth and they were looking down at me terrified and asking me if I was okay and I couldn't remember who they were and I couldn't remember who I was but I recognized their faces and I said oh thank god and I got up and I cried and I hugged them And then they walked me back to the room, and I stood in the doorway of that room for about five seconds, and then said, I have to go. And I went to my room, and I took a shower. And then I lay down on my couch and watched Mythbusters and, and, and fell asleep. What had actually happened was that I sat in a chair, I smoked this thing, I went, ah! I got up. I stepped on an Incredible Hulk action figure. (laughs) I took five steps towards the door. My friend Chris got up. He walked over to the door and he said, you should sit down. And I said, no. And he said, no, you should sit down. And I hugged him and I said, shh. (laughs) It's going to be okay. (laughs) And he hugged me back and he let me go to his credit. And I walked out into the hallway. I walked about ten steps down the hallway and then just got down like the Terminator. And then sat there for about three minutes in awe, and then turned around and said, oh, thank God. <laughs> so that was the last time I did hallucinogens, because, and the last time I really kind of got fucked up to excess. Uh, it came back down, like the bell curve peaked at hallucinogens. Because what's the point? Because I spent this whole time trying to like get away from my sense of self that's what you do when you drink you kind of try to develop this person that isn't you and when I did hallucinogens I went so far that I didn't I literally didn't know who I was so what's the point so now yeah I'll have a drink I'll have a drink and yeah I'll enjoy it Uh, but the bell curves come back down to now when I have a birthday party I just invite all my friends over to play board games and you know it's a lot of fun Hey guys, it's Eric again. Uh, Since Dwight and I ran low on usable songs this month, 
I thought it would be cool to throw in a little something special to close out the podcast. A couple months ago, Nerdalogs member Steve Persh performed the song at Your Stories, and I thought it would be fun to make up like a full band version of it. Uh, but Steve didn't know I was doing this, so it features me on vocals, not him. Uh, hopefully he'll like it enough to add his own track to it later, though. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy. Searching for 